Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast that's dedicated to the growth, development, and advancement of three key areas, or what I call the TLC arena. That's teamwork, leadership, and culture. Hi, my name is Greg Gregory, founder, producer, and host of the Teamwork Advantage. We started this back in early 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, and we're in our fifth season right now, working through and uh, bringing you guests from all over the world. We're downloaded in over 50 countries today, so we're excited to have you joining us on the Teamwork Advantage. We got a very intriguing guest with us today. Nicole comes to us from Oklahoma, and she's the CEO of Resolute PR. Now, I know what you're thinking. PR? Teamwork? Hmm. Let's work with this. Work with me, guys. Uh, it's an integrated public relations and marketing agency, and it's uh, APR accredited, which is from the, P, uh, the Public Relations Society of America, and leads the firm with more than a decade of experience. She's an expert in public relations, marketing strategies, digital marketing, brand development, business leadership, building company culture, which, of course, is the key thing with us, reflecting Resolute's PR mission to drive, and this is, I love this one, to drive bold and purposeful campaigns. Nicole Morgan, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thanks for having me. Thanks for going outside the box a little bit and having a PR oh. person on. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's really cool. And I love to do that. I mean, I've had health professionals on. And so we like to look at it from all different aspects of what teamwork is. And we're going to kind of get into that in a minute. But first off, we were chatting beforehand. You're a graduate uh, down in Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a difference between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I have both who work for me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's got to be fun for company parties. <laughs> but uh, did you graduate college and saying, hey, uh, I'm going to start a PR firm? How did that come about? No, absolutely not. Um, I So while I was in college, I discovered PR. I really didn't know anything about it before I got to college and discovered that that was the, the route that I wanted to go and uh, was pretty quick to want to find an internship so I could get some real world experience and got a job at a, at a startup PR firm. So I got to start there as an intern, which was, it was awesome because, you know, there wasn't a large team. So I got to do a lot of things that as an intern, you wouldn't typically get to do, uh, got hired on after I graduated. So then again, as an entry-level employee, I got even more responsibility and ended up staying at that firm for 10 years and working my way up within the firm. Um, really loved my job, you know, had a lot of flexibility, had a lot of great clients that were willing to let me test different things and, and to really be a partner with them, which I think as any service agency, really, you want to be that partner for your clients. Um, and, and then got to the point where that firm actually closed, uh, the owner had a lot of personal things going on and it just got to the point where it, it was, it was not going to be able to function without the owner of the agency being involved anymore. And so I was kind of left in this position of, 
going, okay, well, what do I do? Do I find a job somewhere? Well, my whole career has been in an agency. Um, I'm pretty competitive. And so the idea of working for another agency didn't seem that appealing to me. Um, and then going to find a job at, at a corporation also was scary because that was not, I, I didn't even know if I could do that. You know, you, at a certain point, you become so vertical in your knowledge working within the corporate world, whereas an agency, you're learning a little bit about every industry and every different type of role within PR and marketing. Yeah. And so um, I had been doing a lot of business development for the other agency. I'd been managing pretty much all of the clients and had a lot of people that said, Nicole, I, I really think you could just start your own firm. And uh, it, it, you know, it took a little while of me really thinking through that. But, you know, the reality is my grandfather had also kind of been an accidental entrepreneur and found himself starting his own business. My I dad, had, you know, been laid off from corporate America. And so he had started his own business. So, um, it, it seemed all of a sudden to make sense, everything came together. And so I decided to just put my stake in the ground and see what happened. And mm -hmm. that was eight years ago. So it has worked out. Awesome. Well, congratulations yeah. on getting Resolute up and going. Talk to me a little bit about the Drive Bold and Purposeful campaigns. Where did that come from? You're a PR firm, marketing. I mean, there's obviously some roots behind that. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier when we were chatting about purpose and kind of where did the name Resolute come from? And, um, you know, the backstory on that is that I, I was really struggling, you know, trying to find a name that wasn't already taken, that it didn't sound too much like something else. Um, and my brother had thrown out the word resolute. And I said, you know, that's really how I feel right now. I, I was very, just very purposeful in wanting to start my agency and to do it different and to, you know, I'd learned a lot of things about what not to do and what worked really well um, from my past experience. And so I thought that totally describes how I feel right now and how I want to work with my clients. Um, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I really hope this is still something that makes sense in five years, because I, I really did have so much energy and focus in that moment. And so it's over the years, I've had people say, I just love your name. That really reflects what it's like to work with you guys. And so a few years ago, um, you know, when you, when you start the business, you're, it's evolving a lot. You're kind of trying to see where it goes and, and how it's going to play out, um, what areas of focus you're going to fall into, what service areas you're going to offer. And so a couple of years ago, right around COVID, we kind of took a step back as a team and we said, Hey, you know, we have a lot of things on our website that we're saying we offer that we don't really do anymore. Or we're kind of focused here. Mm -hmm. Um, our website kind of, I call it like a Frankenstein, you know, over the years, we've just been like swapping out photos and kind of like adding new pages and, and and it, it wasn't really reflective of who we were as a business. And so we did just an internal teamwork brainstorm um, to really define who we were as a culture and what we offer to our clients. And that's what came out of it. You know, and that's really cool the way you said that, because one, I go back with your grandfather, you know, accidental entrepreneur and getting that together and then being very firm and resolute in what you wanted to do. Of course, when I first saw the company name, I thought it came from the Resolute Desk at the White House, but that's just me. Um, but what I really want to grasp is this, because you just said something very, very key, and that is that you sat down as a team to really figure this out. When you see movies and TV shows with PR firms, there are all those little backstabbing, whether it's a Hallmark movie or whether it's a, a, a big movie drama, whatever. How are you able to bring teamwork into this whole equation? 
Um, so I, I have read a lot of books and, and, um, done a lot of research on different styles of leadership because, you know, when you're an accidental entrepreneur, you are also an accidental CEO and accidental boss. Um, there are a lot of things that come with starting a business that I didn't really think through. Um, you know, I didn't realize I was an HR director. All of a sudden I was the CFO. I was all of these different things um, yep, that yep. I didn't have training in. And, and so, um, one thing about me is that I'm, I've always been very much a collaborative leader. I, I know I don't have all of the answers. I know that other people to the team, every time I bring on somebody new, they bring something new to the table that can, can build on what we already offer and the ideas that we have. And I think that the best ideas are the ones where you can't even pinpoint where they came from anymore. Um, because you just, you were just bouncing ideas off of each other. And so, um, that has, I, I have been able to fine tune that a lot better than I ever have. There have definitely been times where that has almost paralyzed me because I felt like I needed everybody's opinions and wanted to get input from every single person. It really slowed down progress. Um, but I felt like in something like this, sometimes you're just too close to it. And so it really is helpful to get the buy-in and, and the, the viewpoints of everybody in the team to arrive at that conclusion together. I, I couldn't have done it on my own, to be honest. no. no. You can't do it on your own, but again, you just said something that's really key is not doing it on your own. And that's one thing, but you also were talking about getting it done. And sometimes I guess the term that some people use is analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get everybody's opinion and that doesn't work. I've had a couple of guests over the years, uh, as well as one of my mentors and coaches used to use the term done is better than perfect. And so getting that phrase out there and realizing we've got to make a decision, let's move on, because even if we move on and it doesn't quite work, we can change it. Yeah. And that's key. And because you've been able to bring the input of everybody together, that really does work. Mm -hmm. So you've been yeah. in the industry now for how many years? Uh, so I, I graduated in 2006. So, you know, it's been, it's been a minute <laughs> for 15 16 years. years in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem like it. It's flown yeah. by. Uh -huh. So 16 years. Yeah. How has it changed from time you got into it up to the pandemic? And then how has it changed from the pandemic on? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So much. I mean, I, I feel like even just looking at technology alone, when you look at how quickly people adapt and how quickly things change, it's been just unbelievable. So I'm, I'm an adjunct professor at Oklahoma state now. And I, I was talking to some of my students the other day about the evolution of social media. And I said, you know, when social media was invented, I was in college and they were like, Oh, wow. <laughs> like they couldn't imagine a time without it, but they've, they've grown up around it, you know, to mm -hmm. them, the idea of having a, a business page and a business platform on Facebook is, um, that, that just always existed. And that wasn't the case when I first started, there was a lot of testing that was going on. Search engine optimization was just becoming a thing. Yep. Um, I had a client that was going through a huge rebrand and we were redoing the website. And I thought, well, I'll kind of also play around with this SEO thing while we're redoing their website and I'm writing the content. And I started noticing that all of the media coverage that I had pitched for them over the years was on the first page of Google. And so I'm starting to see, you know, okay, well, these things kind of tie in together. Um, so it's been interesting to go back to my alma mater and to teach because the evolution of the program itself is, you know, it's, it's really stayed with the times. And so when I 
graduated, I got a degree in public relations and it was very focused in PR persuasive writing, some journalism classes, but really heavy focus on the writing and how to do a press conference and things like that. Now these students are graduating in these multimedia journalism degrees where they're they're learning how to take video, how to edit video, how to design things. Um, I mean, all of these were that you had to go to a different school sometimes to get that type of training. Right, and now right. they, they have to graduate knowing how to do all of those things because our industry has just, it, it's really converged with so many different areas. And that's interesting because since it's converged with so many different areas, whether we're talking media or audio or writing or uh, social media versus uh, still somewhat, I'm going to use the word print media, even though it's not necessarily print print. There are a lot of companies that put out newsletters within their company and things of that direction, but it's all tied in together. Yeah. So how do you bring a team together? How do you create the environment like that with so many different avenues and tentacles out there? How do you create the environment? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's definitely been an, an evolution for me. Um, mm -hmm. I, and even at the agency that I was at before, you know, we would kind of play with, okay, do we have, you know, someone who just a hundred percent, hundred percent of their time focuses on media relations and they're just working with reporters and they're just pitching stories for all of the clients that we have in the firm, or do you cross train people so that you have someone who knows how to pitch stories, who knows how to run a digital ad campaign and knows how to place advertising. Um, well, that gets, to be too much for one person. I mean, some of these things are just evolving so quickly that what worked on Google one month isn't going to work three Not months from now. Anymore. It's totally read on the platform. Um, so that wasn't going to work either. Um, on the media relations side, you know, with the evolution of of how things have um, how they've evolved to say it twice. Um, there used to be probably four or five business publications here in Tulsa, and you know we could pitch every one of them once, maybe twice a month and get several stories for a client. And now we just, we have one daily newspaper with a much smaller business section. Um, and that's it. I mean, you've got TV stations where you have reporters who are, they're their own camera crew. They are the ones who are also reporting, they're editing their own video. I mean, everybody is stretched so thin. And so the opportunities for earned media are becoming less and less. And we're having to find more opportunities for owned media. So when you talk about things like newsletters and, um, and blogs and content that you can be developing, that's all owned media. So in terms of building the team around that, what I have found to work best is one, everybody on the team needs to have an understanding of all these different areas. When they don't, then they don't, they don't feel comfortable bringing new ideas to the table. Um, they're missing opportunities when they're listening to the client, because if they're telling them what they're struggling with, but they, the you know, the person on my team doesn't fully understand the breadth of services that we offer, they might not be able to think to bring an idea to the table. And it's not feasible that I'm going to have my digital strategist or my graphic designer in every single meeting because I have to protect their time too. Um, so so we, we cross-train everyone. We have a monthly meeting where we do some kind of knowledge sharing across the entire company. And we have, we have 10 people, but two distinct teams who work on their own books of business. Um, and so we do that so that everyone could kind Kind of hear, hey, this is a campaign that the other team did. Maybe you have some ideas that you could transfer over to your clients, or I might have our digital strategists just spend a day talking about 
the the latest changes in social media algorithms. Um, <laughs> but we try to share that that information. And what I think that that does is it breaks down some of those stereotypical um, cultural things that you mentioned earlier, where there is the backstabbing and people become very protective of the information because they think, well, I can't move up if I share this information. It's almost like it's their own IP. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's part of how I've tried to do that. You know, the other thing is I mentioned we have two teams. And so we have three people on each team who manage different parts of the process. We have a senior account executive who's really responsible for the client relationship, understanding what the goals are of the client. Then we have an account manager who's really like that project manager and managing all of the timelines and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And then we have an account coordinator who's doing a lot of the production. And by layering it like that, um, it, it, it ensures that nobody feels like they're alone working on something. And that was something that I felt very heavily when I was in my other company was I had all the responsibility for this client. There was no one else helping me, no one else who knew what was going on. And so if I needed to take a vacation or I had a sick day, all work just stopped. Um, If I needed to bounce an idea off of someone, there was no one to really do that with because it was just me. So, um, so by structuring it this way, I found that it has really just, it's kind of inherently created this team. And like I said, I didn't start out that way and I learned a lot of lessons along the way, but this seems to be a, a really great structure for us. So when you look at the people that are on there, what did you do? Can you pinpoint one, two, three ideas of things you did to create the openness and the willingness to come out and ask? I've often said that in teamwork, people are willing to help another person. They're less willing to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So how did you create the environment? Is there something you did, something that happened? Was there a turning point that kind of triggered that? Yes, there was. Um, I was not always as thoughtful about um, the types of personalities that I hired. You know, it, it and it's really easy to do when you're busy. You you lead with the skills first, right? Because you need someone who could come in and do the work and be ready to go. And and so I was hiring for skills, not so much for personality and or, really or the up. will and desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was, it was detrimental really. I mean, there were a lot of things that suffered because we didn't have that open as much as I would say, I have an open door policy and I want people to share ideas and we all work in the same room together. It wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really figure out why until, you know, those people kind of naturally moved on. And, um, and we actually took a step back as a team and we said, let's really think about what our culture is. What do we stand for when we bring new people onto the team? Um, what are we looking for? You know, what do we think is going to further our mission and help us be resolute and help us be purposeful, but also is going to, it's going to increase all of our knowledge. And, um, and so we put that together in a presentation, you know, we spent a lot of time in this retreat, really talking about those things. And we put that together in a presentation. And so we refer to that when we do interviews to be really clear from day one, this is what we're looking for in someone who's going to come to work here. Um, and, and this is what's going to work and this is what's not, but then, you know, in the orientation process, I personally sit down with every single person who joins the team to talk through that. And, and I say, 
to you know the lowest level employee, this is a place where I want you to know it's okay. You can raise your hand and say, I don't understand this because we do move really fast. And, and sometimes we don't know that someone needs help until they raise their hand and say it. And don't, don't expect that we know what you don't know. We, you can say that and that's okay. And this is also a place where it's okay to make mistakes because mistakes are going to happen. And I would much rather you just acknowledge it and we all move on. And, you know, we fit, we figure out how to fix yeah. it and then it doesn't happen again. I still make mistakes. You know, this yeah. is not a place where you have to be perfect. Well, anybody who says they don't make mistakes, I'll show you somebody who never tries. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, it's, I it's so encountered... key. You brought up, you brought up ownership. They've got to own, they've got to own their success, but they also have to own their mistakes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all about that. It's taking responsibility about all that. So you're bringing in a lot of the key elements that come into play there. And you're creating, I'm going to use the words, a safe environment for mm -hmm. people to be able to do this in. Is that yeah. about right? Yeah. And I, I have really had to harp on that and remind people because I've definitely encountered people who are afraid to make mistakes. And I don't know if that's coming from an environment that wasn't safe to, to do that or to mm -hmm. admit that, or if it's, you know, graduating thinking you need to know everything. I don't know where it comes from, but I have to remind people regularly. Um, cause for mm -hmm. me, it's a pet peeve too. Like if someone can't admit a mistake, then that drives me crazy. <laughs> I'd rather you just say it and then let's figure out how to fix it and move on, you know, yeah. but otherwise it just kind of hangs there. Yeah. Otherwise it's, oh, we had, I had a guest on a few weeks ago that was talking about it's, like a smelly fish in your desk. Yes. I, I listened to that one. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. it, when you think about that, that's what it is. It's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. We've got to have that environment of being open about all of that. And they've yeah. got to feel like they can ask you, you've got to feel comfortable enough to ask them, which creates being vulnerable. Yeah. And I believe that everybody's got to be a little bit vulnerable in there. Yes. So, what do you do with your team today outside of work stuff? Do you do anything to try and generate that camaraderie, that openness, that vulnerability? Or what do you do? Yeah. So um, I, well, I have meetings, weekly meetings with our management team so that, you know, we, we meet one-on-one -on -one and that is work related, but then um, the, the people who don't report directly to me, I go and I grab lunch with them. You know, I try to at least once a quarter go and sit down with them and no agenda just to you know, hear more about what's going on. Um, we do, you know, I feel like this is kind of typical PR firm stuff, but we, we do happy hours and, you know, we go and grab lunch together and not really having again, no agenda. It's just a time for everybody to be able to be in the same room and to hang out. Um, we also are as a, as a company, we really believe strongly about giving back to the community. And so we do okay. a lot of sponsorships where we'll buy a table at a nonprofit event and we'll just make that, you know, a girl's night where we have everybody from the team that gets to come and hang out together. Um, Wait, I've you also, said girls night. Is it only girls? It is. We're only women. Uh, not on purpose, <laughs> but I can say that. Well, we still are, but no, eventually we'd like to bring a guy on. We just haven't found the right one yet. <laughs> um, I, just, I just had to pick on you on that one for a sec. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we also, for professional development, uh, 
of course, you know, everybody has to be careful during uh, the current economic situation. But when it makes sense, I, I like to send two people if I can. Um, and we've had several different conferences or different opportunities where more than one person can go. And so that's a good opportunity for people to get to kind of bond over um, some things that are also going to help the company and come back with new ideas. So like I have two account managers that are actually headed to a conference next week. And, um, and so for okay, their, great. their key takeaway is to come back and identify some things that they could implement in the company. And so they get to kind of feel like they own that, which I think is important too, rather than it, it constantly being me or the management team pushing ideas down. Exactly. They have, they have greater ownership at that point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. Um, several organizations that I've worked with, they believe that the best time for them to do training, best time to do conferences and things like that are when they're slower because mm-hmm. um, they're downtime. So there, there's that opportunity to do, be able to do that. And I, I think totally believe really that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you in your organization today? Where is Resolute? PR today. Are you all remote? Are you all virtual uh, type thing? Are you all in person or is it a hybrid? Where are you? Yeah. So we are, we are currently in a hybrid situation. So we did uh, go completely virtual for a a while, um, probably nine months um, during COVID. And that was really difficult for teamwork. Um, Like I said, we all work in one open environment together. And so you hear people a lot of times saying, Hey, you know, I wrote this, I could really use an extra set of eyes. Could you just look it over? I'm kind of stuck here. Or I overheard you struggling with this issue. You know, how did you solve it? Cause I'm kind of seeing the same with my client when you're virtual, you don't get to have those kinds of conversations. You just don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would do, you know, all team meetings on zoom and it's, you know, it's tough. You can't brainstorm that way. Cause zoom cuts each Much other harder. off. Um, you can't build off of each other's ideas. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really difficult. And, um, I actually really liked working from home for a lot of reasons, but I had several people within the company that said, Hey, I think we really need to look at coming back to the office at least a few days a week. And so we are in the office two and a half days and then virtual the other days. Okay. So does everybody come in those two and a half days? Yep. Yep. See, it's interesting for me to find out what different people are doing. Some people are having people float in and out. They got to come in two days a week type situation. Um, others are having one team comes in on one day, another team comes in on another day, and then they have cross teams. So they, they blend it all up and mix it up. Mm. So that's always there. Our what team tool? is small enough. We can't really, you know, it doesn't make sense to do that. I mean, yeah. when we have 10 people, we can just all be in the office at the same day. Yeah. So, wow. I lost my train of thought there with the question. <laughs> just trying to think about, you know, getting people on, communication, whether you're virtual or not, and even those days that you are virtual, communication sometimes can be a challenge. What Mm -hmm. do you use? um, How do you work within your communication to get people to work together? Uh, So we have, this was part of why we chose to to come back in person on some of the days that we did. So Monday morning, we have what we call a traffic meeting. And so each team has a 30 minute meeting where they go through every single, we go through our project management software and we go through every single client and what we have coming up for the week, any roadblocks we might be experiencing, anything that needs to be tabled and discussed later. And when we were doing that virtually, it was really easy to see when people were checking out, you know, if it didn't if it didn't apply to them, they'd like be typing or you see the screen like 
flashing different things on their face, you know, that they're not paying attention. And so we felt like it was really important to do that in person. Um, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays, because we're in the office, we've kind of designated those as the days when we prefer in-person meetings to happen. So most of our client meetings, our internal, uh, more in-depth meetings, our update meetings, all of that happens face-to-face on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If a client wants to meet on a Wednesday or a Friday, or we need extra time, we'll do that. But usually we kind of like to use those Wednesdays and Fridays for deep work days. So what would happen before is, you know, we'd be busy all the time. We'd be popping in and out. I mean, you even see it here in the office. People are always in and out of conference rooms and headed to different meetings. And um, when you have just, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in between meetings, that's not enough time to really get the work done. And uh, everybody was really, I mean, very stressed out. feeling like they just couldn't get ahead. And so Mm -hmm. this has really allowed us to balance that better. Um, And then, you know, on the, on the other days, the expectation is still that you are available. I can email you. I can call you. You're going to pick up. I can text Mm -hmm. you. Um, We have a group me if there's something that needs to send to the entire team. But, um, but we really, we try to kind of protect those days as much as we can. Do you use anything like Slack or any of those other tools for communication or not? We tried, and I know a lot of people really swear by Slack. Um, We just couldn't get our team to adopt it. And really, you know, we. It's always good to hear people that are saying things like that and not always, oh, yes, it's great. So. Yeah. Um, I, in theory, it was going to be awesome because we had different channels for each of our clients and we, we kind of used it during COVID, but it it just Mm -hmm. always seemed like it was easier to just pick up the phone and call somebody. Mm hmm. What about team members now? Let's say that, you know, I want to have a meeting with Sally on the team. Um, Can I just, do I call her to set it up or do you have calendar links? What are you, are there, are you using technology in that aspect to help facilitate, you know, individual one-off meetings? Uh, I mean, everybody has access to each other's calendars on Outlook. So we just schedule, we just schedule the time. Um, One other software as you were kind of, as you were asking me that question that came to mind is Box. So it's kind of like Dropbox, but it's specifically for businesses. And that has really helped us organize our, our files and streamline communication there because you can tag people and leave comments on different documents. Um, You can edit it within the platform where you can, open a word document from the platform and make your edits and it saves it directly to box. So that, um, that has been very helpful because even before we had Dropbox, but people would inter- inadvertently save things on their desktop or, you know, just email it back and forth. And then it would be lost forever. You could never find the most recent document that has been very helpful. Okay. That's interesting. I had not heard of box. So I just made a oh. note about that for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you stop to think about things, it's, it's a fluid environment. It's changing constantly. So what are your challenges today? Keeping in mind that next week they may be different. What are, what are Nicole's challenges today? Oh, well, um, I, I just got through kind of a, you know, like everybody, the, the hiring challenges, um, I think were, uh, that took a lot of my energy and my time. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, we, 
and I see other clients who are struggling with this, but just kind of the turnover that's happening. Um, people, you know, love the environment. They love what we offer, but they decide to just try something different. And, and so, um, having that lack of consistency, um, in some of these positions was really challenging and, and finding the right again, like I, I know I have such a clear vision of what I'm looking for culturally, but I also need the skills. And I also need someone that I think is going to stick around and, and trying to balance all of those different things. That was, that was definitely challenging for me. Um, mm -hmm. at this time, I feel like everything has stabilized. And so now I shift my energy back to, um, to looking into the, the balance of the year and what are we going to do in the balance of the year with everything that's happening in the world and the economy, um, with our clients and, and then also what new, ideas and services should we be providing, um, and really leaning on the team to help me figure that out. Okay. I want to make sure I've addressed this because you're talking about hiring and everything in that direction. And you've had to do a lot of adaptation. I know Southwest airlines used to always use the phrase, you know, our number one customer is not our customer. Our number one customer is our employee. If we take care of our employee, our employee will take care of our customer. That's mm -hmm. always been a very valid thing. So when we stop to think about it, sharing your vision and getting it out there, what are some things that you've done to really, in the interview, I mean, behavior styles, personalities, those are all important. I, and I get that. What are some other things? Are there anything that's intuitive to you that kind of just hits with you that resonates for hiring the right people, creating that vision and doing that? Is there anything that direction? Um, you know, I, ha I have not been, um, shy to maybe look at ancillary, uh, jobs that are similar, have similar traits to what we're looking for. So I kind of like to look at, okay, what do I have to teach and what can I teach this person versus what's inherently there and, um, is something that I really need or that's, and, and then I also like to look at, how does, how would this person interact with the team and what would they bring to the table that we don't have right now? Um, so I, I kind of like to keep those things in the back of my mind. Um, I initially will do the, that first round of interviews. And so I kind of like to look through all the candidates and, and have more casual conversations, just really looking at those pieces, um, rather than leading with the skills, really looking at the personality mm -hmm. and, and how they would fit into the team. And then once I kind of have that narrowed down, then I turn it over to our, whoever the supervisor would be, and they do the next round of interviews and they're looking at it more critically from, um, from the perspective, okay, does this person really have the skills? that I need the background to back it up. What are some mm -hmm. of their, their past work behaviors? Um, the, you know, the book, uh, who have you heard of that one? It's a really, I, I found that to be a really helpful book in hiring. And so it okay. has, it has you kind of, you know, ask the candidate to walk through their past, um, work history and even back in college, like what were some of the biggest challenges that you had and, mm -hmm. and trying to look for some of those patterns and how they dealt with stressful situations or maybe okay. how they were able to, to work within a team. Um, so those are some of the things that I've implemented. Um, okay. but yeah, it's, you know, it's always evolving. It's always, have you read the good to great? Yes. Mm -hmm. So chapter yeah. three in good to great is critical. Jim okay. Collins focuses in on that. It's called first who, then what? So focusing in on the who before you worry about the skills. Yeah. And, that, and I thought that was just absolutely fascinating because then it's about get the right people on the bus, uh -huh. get them in the right seats. But then here's where a lot of people drop it. And that is getting the wrong people off the bus. 
And just because they're not right for your bus does not mean they're a bad person. Mm-hmm. So that yes. I think that's really, really key there. And sometimes people need to just change buses and that's okay too. Yep. That's yeah. Okay absolutely. Too. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your leaders for a second. You've got, there's you as the CEO and then how many managers leaders do you have? So I have two senior account executives and they each lead a team of people who work on the day-to-day strategy and everything within the account. Um, Then I have a digital strategist who manages across both teams, any digital um, uh, elements. And then we also have a creative director who is in charge of any of our graphic design projects and creative projects. Okay. What, what do they do? How are they able to a lot of times when you come from your vision to getting it to the team and sharing it, there's one thing that you can do, but what are they doing? Are you able to help them see how to transform your vision to make sure it's still there? Are there things that they're doing? Yeah. Um, this is another thing that I've kind of implemented in the last few years, but I have really been trying to, I, I feel like I've always been a pretty transparent leader, but I have been mm-hmm. pushing myself to be even more transparent. So, um, so here in a couple months, I'll start working on our annual plan for 2023. And when I put that together, I have all of my, all my smart goals and everything that I'm looking for us to accomplish in the next year. I share that plan first with the management team to get their input and, um, and make sure that I'm not missing anything or that they don't see anything that they don't think is realistic, um, that we, or how could we make it more measurable and then we'll make any tweaks. And then I share that plan with the entire team. Uh, the team then goes and they, they get a copy of that plan and then they will develop their own individual goals based off of the plan. So there, there will be some personal goals of things that they need to work on, but really what I'm looking for are what are their goals that will help us as a whole achieve the plans that we've set as a company. And then they, they will go over those goals and kind of the same process. Like they will go over that with their supervisor and their supervisor will, you know, give some input and some feedback. They, I give the final sign off. So I might have some adjustments as well. And then we check in on those goals quarterly. And then the supervisors report back to me on this is kind of what we're seeing here. This is where um, we think that they're really, you know, they're just killing it and we need to reward them. Or these are some areas that we're seeing that we still need some improvement. So um, I think doing it quarterly has been a pretty good cadence for us to check in on that because it gives people time to focus on it, but not enough time to forget about it. Yeah, that's, that, that makes the most sense when you start to look at the timelines there, because sometimes they do once a year, that's just not enough. Six months is not enough. Wow. Monthly is like, they haven't had time to get anything done. So yeah, right. so I think you've hit the mark there. Yeah. Where are your managers struggling? Are they struggling with anything in particular right now? Uh, you know, I think the the evolution of communication and, and, what's in person versus what's virtual. Uh, we've, you know, we've worked through that. Um, the turnover, of course, that, you know, yep. that can just, it can be demoralizing. Like you just feel like, what am I doing wrong or what can I be doing better? Um, and so we're working through that. Um, and then I, I thought of something else. Um, Oh, uh, you know, the structure for us is still relatively new to have um, that kind of hierarchy. And so some of that we're, we're learning as well and, and how you do those reviews and how do you perform those reviews and what's the trigger to tell me something versus when are they working through something on their own? Mm-hmm. Um, and now so we're back, now we're back to what you said very early on. You have to wear the HR hat from time to time too. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. But for me, it's been a real positive to have someone else who is also sharing that burden with me. And so when they as supervisors can work through things with an employee yes. and it never yes. even has to get to me until it's been resolved, that's been awesome. And, and that's a change for me because it used to be where I, I managed all of that. And so I had to I had to learn how to let go of some of that and to really trust people to, to be able to handle it the way that I would. Okay. okay. As we get ready to wrap up a question, and that is, where do you see the PR industry going in the next few years? I mean, with technology changing so incredibly fast, mm-hmm. you know, are, well, let me ask this also, are most of your clients right there in the Tulsa area or are your clients all over the U.S.? No, they're mostly here in Tulsa. Um, so yeah, I, you know, when I look at where things are going, it's kind of what I said earlier, it's, it's that shift from earned media to owned media. Um, we, we do a lot of educating with our clients. I mean, we had someone come in the other, the door the other day who all they wanted was media coverage and given the industry and what they were trying to get media coverage on, I had to be really direct and say, I don't think you're going to be able to get enough coverage to really move the needle for you. Like that alone is not going to do it. You're Mm -hmm. going to have to pull in some of these other opportunities to really help you communicate the message and connect with people and, and do all the things that media used to be able to do on their own. So, um, you know, I, I think that that will always be there. It'll always be a really valuable part of the, the PR and the marketing uh, mix, but people are going to have to get more creative. They're going to have to develop their own content. They're going to have to invest in that content. Uh, you know, you can't just take an iPhone photo anymore. If you've ever seen, you know, influencer photo shoots go down or any of the pictures that are on social media, people are looking for high quality content um, to really reflect their brand. Mm-hmm. So having to invest in some of those things as well. So photography, video, high-end audio, things of that nature, mm-hmm. uh, all of it that way. Where do you see video playing in the PR world uh, on things like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that? Well, even with media, I mean, I was just talking to some reporters the other day who were saying they're just, they're stretched so thin that if we can provide content to them that will help take some of the work off their plate and putting together a story, they're open to that. So, I mean, that's another area where some of that can be used. Um, and, and I think that actually leads to another point in that, that one video, while that might be a bigger investment than a company is used to spending, it can be used in so many different ways. So like multi-purpose, yes, yeah, you can put it on your website, you can share it on your social media, um, video continues to outperform any other type of content on social media. Mm -hmm. So you can really, um, you can use it in a lot of different ways and really make it worth the dollar there. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons our podcast is done on video so that you can go back and share clips of that as well in, in, for you down the road and for us all the way through. It's not just the audio version. We're able to get it out there in multiple ways and repurpose all the content. So that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. In closing, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, as another example, I was going to say, I think that that other industries will also be able to start benefiting or, or well, other segments within a company will be able to start benefiting from some of this too. Like, um, back on the hiring thing, one of the the areas that we've been helping a lot of clients with lately is recruitment. And so, um, working with the HR departments on helping them increase the number of applications that they're getting. So they actually have a pool of candidates to choose from when they're having a really hard time finding people. And so we've been able to layer in some of these really targeted digital options. You know, you can, you can target people who are actively searching 
for jobs um, or within a specific uh, zip code or, you know, yeah. an interest area of interest. And so you're able to reach people. Uh, you know, I think back in the day that wouldn't have really been considered something you would hire a PR firm for, but now it is because of the options that are out there. Yeah. The options and the databases, the last 20 years, the databases have just exploded with what's available mm-hmm. and what's there and how you can search it all out. Yeah. If people need to reach out to you for ideas, maybe PR work, whatever, uh, if they want to reach you, what's the best way? Uh, you can email me at Nicole at ResolutePR.com, um, or you can go to our website, ResolutePR.com, and just fill out the contact form that comes directly to me. Okay. That's awesome. Excited to have you here. I want to, I want to bring you back probably in six or eight months, maybe a year. Talk yeah. again about where things are, where Resolute PR is, and how they've changed. Um, because one of the things that I'm finding fascinating is bringing people back a year or so later to talk and see how they've changed and what they're doing. Because, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, we were deep in the pandemic and now we're coming out of it, but yet there's all kinds of, it's, it's fluid. So mm-hmm. how things change is always fascinating about all of that. So I want to thank you very much for joining us here. Uh, on the uh, podcast. Anything you'd like to close with as far as telling leaders and people about being a better, keeping it open? How, how do you show your transparency is what I'm kind of trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that that's just a shift in how businesses are are needing to function. You know, it's the, the employees are looking for that. And the more transparent you can be, the more invested they're going to be in the success of the business, the more they're going to feel like they're really bought in and a part of it. And I think it, it has been scary for me in the past to do that. You know, I, I didn't know what they would do with that information or if they would understand it, but I think that it has been invaluable in helping me build a team. Who's really um, all on the same page. You just triggered something in my mind. So with your clients, you obviously get them involved in the process as well, trying to solve uh, what they're looking for because you want to, you know, you're trying to fit their needs. Mm -hmm. Do you see some of the same ideas working with the team about getting the team involved in all of that too? Not just to solve for the client, but when you're talking about internal challenges and things, getting the team because you talked about buy-in, does that really help? Oh yeah. Um, I would say the majority of our clients were working, you know, we have our our point person, but we try to have relationships with multiple people within that organization so that, um, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes the best way to get an idea, uh, to be implemented would be to go through the, the head of the organization, but sometimes it's someone who might be, you know, over education or it might be their communications mm-hmm. person. So, um, so we do try to do that as well so that they, um, so that they feel the same way. And that's so powerful because when you're doing that, you're getting them involved in a team aspect, plus your team is getting involved on multiple levels and it starts to bring it all together. A lot of folks forget that the client can also be a very valid member of your team. Yeah. Well, and I I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about mistakes and owning mistakes and we have that same attitude with our clients. So, I mean, as scary as it is to say, Hey, we messed up here, but this is what happened. And here's how we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. What we've actually found is that, um, our clients do the same thing. And so sometimes the mistake is something on their end and they'll say, I am so sorry. You know, I missed this email and I didn't get this assigned to you, but I need it tomorrow. And while we don't typically like to do that because we have this honest, open community communication, mm-hmm. we're willing to do that for our clients. You know, we're willing to, to make them look good because that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah. 
Well, awesome. I think you're doing a great job with what you've got going. I've looked at some of your client lists and products. So I'm excited to see things that you've got uh, coming down the horizon there. And I want to thank you again for joining us here on the Teamwork Advantage. You know, folks, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas that you can use and implement. So from a PR firm today, Nicole Morgan has shared with you ideas that you can really put into play, whether it's transparency, it's about the hiring, it's the behavior styles and personalities. She has shared ideas with you that you can use over and over again. And I want you to act on those ideas. Remember, knowledge is not power without application. Until next week, remember, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage podcast, we know that you're not average. So go make today an excellent and exceptional day. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.